0: Maybe if I turn the uh, the right mic, you would actually hear it a bit better. Good morning, listeners, and my name is Pierre Morrow, and that's right. This is Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia-Asia Worker Links. And um, thanks to Solidarity Breakfast for another very interesting program and analysis about union and social issues here in Australia and elsewhere and the uh the music uh, that you heard between the programmes, as so there at the breakfast going out, was by an artist called Coffee, and the song was Rupture. So um, hopefully there's not going to be any rupture here. There's a nice continuation into the your morning's listening. So um, on today, which is um, I think it's the sixth of um, April, we're going to do the usual roundup of uh, news from the Asia Pacific uh, region. Of course, if you're interested in more of these news items you can always go to our website www.aawl.org.au or go to our facebook and twitter account and just search for um, Australia Asia worker links but on today's program we'll have the usual roundup of uh, news from the the region and in the second half of the program as i uh, promised last year um, last year last week we're going to have a um, an interview uh, Looking at the state of, of uh, working class organising in China, and um, uh, I caught up with uh, Ch- uh, uh, Jeff Crothall, who is the communication director of the organisation called China Labour Bulletin. So you'll hear that uh, interview around quarter past um, nine o'clock, and. Um, We might as well go straight into the news item. It's uh, just on three minutes past nine o'clock. The um, very, um, very uh, unfortunate uh, first uh, item that we have for you today, where we go to the Philippines, where this week there was another massacre of poor farmers uh, that occurred in in the Philippines on the island of Negros. According to the reports that we have received, 14 farmers were murdered by a giant operation of... ...of the Philippine National Police Special Action Forces the uh, regional mobile forces alongside with elements of the 94th Infantry Brigade of the Philippine Army. Among those killed was uh, Edgardo Avelino, a 59-year-old man who was a longtime chairman of a local farmers group affiliated with the peasant movement of the Philippines, a union of agricultural workers, as well as two other local leaders and the rest were family members of these um, three the official explanation given by the authorities um, for these uh, killings is uh, once again linked to the Murderous War on Drugs campaign that we've uh, brought many uh, reports and much news in the last three years. The, the, um, the explanation was that the police were carrying out a drug raid and the dead people resisted, so they were all um, shot dead. No investigation is being conducted by the authorities. Um, this fits very much in the same pattern of impunity in uh, in the Philippines around the uh, war on drugs that has killed anywhere around 20,000 people. And the same week that this uh, latest massacre happened, uh, outspoken journalist and critic of the Duterte government, Maria Ressa, which. Um, <coughs> Sorry, like um, regular listeners would know, we had an interview with her a few weeks ago, was arrested once again, um, but later released on bail. And uh, this is the seventh time that she's been arrested over the last couple of years. Um, again, of an obvious sign of uh, of the government cracking down on any type of dissent. Our second uh, story, we go to West Asia. We um, uh, report back on what happened for Palestinian Land Day. We've, uh, again, according to our reports, at least five Palestinian demonstrators were killed by Israeli forces during Saturday's commemoration of Land Day. All the deaths were recorded in the Gaza Strip, where protests for the Great March of Return have now been ongoing for the last year. Protests were held both inside Israel and in towns in the occupied West Bank. Now, Land Day, as um, uh, people would know, is commemorated every year on March 30 to remember the events of that day in 1976. Now, on that day, in response to the Israelis' government announcement of a plan to expropriate over 5,000 hectares of land for state purposes, Palestinians organized a general strike and marches in Arab town- towns from the Galileo Galilee to the Negev desert, these actions were repressed by the Israeli army police with six protesters killed, around 100 wounded and, uh, and many hundreds arrested and every year uh, that day has now been uh, set aside as um, land day to remember the uh, uh, dispossession of Palestinians in uh, Palestine. Mm-hmm. This is James Henry
1: here, and you're listening to 3CR, 8.55am and digital streaming on 3cr.org.au. We now go to India.
0: Uh, to North India uh, in particular, where at the end of uh, of March, uh, I, just the last week, 18 labour actors were, who had been jailed for their attempts to organise a union at the Dakin manufacturing plant in Rajasthan were finally released on bail. The dispute has been ongoing for a number of years uh, as the workers have attempted to form their own union so as to improve their working condition. This latest round um, flared up in early January when hundreds of workers on the first day of a strike were attacked by police and tired thugs. Out of that protest, 700 workers were charged by the police and 14 arrested. The company then dismissed over 50 uh, permanent workers and suspended another 500 contract workers. When in mid-February the workers again took action, they were faced with more repression from police and hired thugs. The the good uh, part of this story is that the dispute is ongoing. The workers have not given up, um, and they're still pressing to um, for their claim and the efforts to organise. So um, good luck, uh, comrades. We now go to Lebanon, which is uh, there's a slightly better news in this story where. This week, the Lebanese Labor Minister Kamil Abouzleman announced the creation of a committee to reform Lebanon's labor law so as to break the country's kafala system. Now, the aim of this committee will be to read the labor law of uh, also of gender discrimination and migrant worker slavery by undermining the kafala system. Now, again, as regular listeners will know, we have brought you news before about the kafala system that operates in uh, In West Asia, and basically this system ties workers to their employers who are charged with their visa status, they often keep their passports, and has been widely criticised by human rights groups. For facilitating exploitation and abuse. Now, in Lebanon, um, there's an estimated uh, there are an estimated hundreds of thousands of migrant workers who toil under this system. While in the rest of uh, West Asia, there are tens of millions of workers who are trapped in this kafala um, system.
1: Come to me,
0: lover. I've secrets to tell.
1: Hi, we're Dash.
0: And you're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Come to me sweetly this love of great vein. That's right, and not only you're on Three C R Community Radio, you're listening to Asia Pacific Current brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. Um, for our last two um, news items for the the week, we'll go um, closer to the, our region. Well, first of all, we start with Myanmar. We, um, at the start of last month, we brought you news of the jailing of six leaders and organisers with the union of workers at the Hotel Tharabar Gate in Myanmar, Myanmar's Bagan Archaeological Zone. They had been sentenced to 30 days jail. Uh, We can happily report that this week they were all released to an emotional welcome from family and union members after serving their full 30-day sentences. The six were tried, convicted and immediately taken to jail on the 1st of March after being arrested in December for attempting to lead a peaceful march to protest the brutal police destruction of their solidarity picket. Their union has faced continual attacks since it was formed and registered four years ago, with many workers losing their jobs during this period. The uh, International United Food um, Global Union is continuing an international campaign to pressure the company to recognise the workers' union. And obviously, um, listeners, as you would know, the the issue of labour busting is something that uh, all our sisters and brothers just face daily uh, around the world. And um, for the last item, we go to to here, back to Australia, where um, obviously, as many uh, uh, workers would know here for years, companies and governments in Australia have driven down our wages, privatised our essential services and suppressed our ability to organise. They've cut our penalty rates. They've tried to jail unionists for fighting for safety on site. They've cut billions from health and education. Then they fear monger and tell voters to blame migrants, poor families and other vulnerable uh, groups of people for the problems that they have created. These are tactics that workers all around the world understand as businesses try to squeeze higher profits from our labour but making us work work longer, harder and for less. For this reason, um, um, there is a national demonstration next week um, and so we are urging everyone to j- join uh, uh, your fellow workers and ourselves this Wednesday for a change the rules demonstration events are planned all ast- uh, around Australia go to the ACTU website and in Melbourne the demonstration will be this Wednesday the 10th of April at half past 10 uh, outside Trade Hall at the corner of Victoria and Ligon Streets Carlton so um, we certainly hope that there's going to be a, a massive uh, turnout um, because because obviously uh, there's federal elections coming up soon, but as as we all know, just because we get a change of government, it doesn't necessarily mean that we will get um, better rules. It is something that only us as workers, organising on the on the on the job at our workplace, can actually do. So our strength is our ability to organise, and again, that goes for workers all around the world. But um, that's the end of the news roundup for today. Um, we'll have a short committee announcement and then um, we'll be back with the uh, interview with Jeff about uh, organising uh, in China.
1: This is Irene Bolger, former Secretary of the Nurses' Federation in Victoria. Throughout the nurses' dispute in 1986,
0: That's right. Uh, We've been around a long time and we plan to certainly be around for many more years. And you're listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links every week. You can go to our website, Facebook, Twitter pages to uh, look up more on some of these stories and what we do. It's just on uh, 14 past nine o'clock here on 3CR Radio and um, as uh, announced, uh, before, um, I announced um, before, I was very fortunate to be able to talk to Jeff Crothel Crowth- from uh, China Labor Bulletin, where he's the communications director, about the issue of uh, workers in China organising and what's the state of, uh, uh, of workers in, in China. Last week, there was a massive explosion as a, at a fertiliser factory in Yangchang, just north of Shanghai, that uh, led to scores of people being killed and hundreds injured. Can you just give us a bit of a summary of uh, what happened? And also, uh, what do we know that led up to such a huge incident?
1: Well, this particular chemical plant was well-known by local residents, by the workers there and the local government as being a safety hazard. Many of them uh, have said it was a time bomb just waiting to go off. It had been inspected by a government task force just over a year ago and they found 13 safety violations at the plant, um, which they outlined in great detail, uh, which all of these violations were supposed to be rectified. Uh, they never were. Things just carried on as normal. And eventually, uh, the inevitable happened. And in this particular case, it was, as you said, a massive explosion. The most recent death toll we've seen it is 78. And it could go much higher than that.
0: That's a shocking story that you've uh, reported, and um, I mean, I didn't realise the death toll had gone up uh, so much just over a, a week. So why do you think, even though it was quite clearly there was major occupational health and safety issues, uh, there was government officials that actually knew about it, nothing seemingly was done about?
1: The main problem is that local health and safety officials are pretty powerless to enforce regulations on the ground they come up against the concerns of other people in local government who want to obviously maintain the local economy keep employment at a high level you know the risks of closing down a major employer a major contributor to local tax revenue are immense and so you know there's a general reluctance on the part of local authorities to really enforce health and safety regulations you know they'll just turn a blind eye and hope for the best unfortunately in this case that didn't happen
0: and from what you've said and from what over the years we have reported on one would assume that the workers themselves would have little power to even organize and advocate for better health and safety conditions
1: that is precisely the problem Um, if there is a trade union at that plant i I don't know but um, if there is I'm pretty sure it's under the sway of management. Um, it certainly wouldn't represent workers' concerns about health and safety. Um, from what we know, all the workers knew about the problems at the plant, but they were simply not empowered to do anything about it. So clearly, for work safety to improve in China, uh, that is one aspect of labor relations that has to fundamentally change workers and the the trade union have to be given the power to uh, address well-known work hazards and if necessary stop production until those hazards are rectified
0: one would think that in china with the communist party still in power the right to withdraw labor i.e to strike would actually be in the constitution
1: well it's not it was uh, taken out of the Constitution several decades ago, but we have to stress that strikes are not technically illegal in china either there's It's just a, a rather gray area, so you can't actually be punished for uh, withdrawing your labor simply going out on strike unless you know there are specific provisions within your employment contract or employment handbook that says you're not allowed to do that.
0: Over the last few years we've seen a lot of sporadic uh, strikes, worker activism, whether it's in the manufacturing, whether it's in the electronic sectors that have given hope to a lot of labour activists around the world that workers in China, this could be the the spark that could lead to a, a new resurgence. But it doesn't seem to have created enough momentum. Where do you think the state of labour organising is in China?
1: The key issue, I think, why there hasn't been a lack of any real momentum is that a lot of the collective action conducted by workers is very defensive. It's in defence of their established labour rights. Very basic things like Getting paid on time, getting paid in full, having their social insurance paid, having overtime paid, being probably compensated when they're laid off or injured at work. These are the, the basic things that cause strikes and worker protests at the moment in China, as well as in some cases, pay cuts. But in most cases, you know, it's a very defensive action taken by workers and the official trade union really doesn't do anything to help workers except, you know, very superficial help uh, after the fact, really.
0: I mean, obviously China is a huge country with a massive and diversified workforce, but the all-China trade union is one encompassing union. How do you think... Workers, especially some of the younger generations, view this trade union. What's their relationship to it?
1: To be honest, there is very little relationship. You talk to a lot of workers, younger workers in particular, they're often not even aware of the union. They don't know what a union is, what it should do. So I think that's clearly one of the things that has to change if working conditions pay are going to improve in China is is the trade union really has got to get its act together and make itself relevant to ordinary workers. And there is some suggestion that it's trying to do that. It's uh, trying to organize in areas where there has been a a growth of employment, particularly the service industries, transport, internet-based platform industries, that kind of thing.
0: And in terms of the Old China Trade Union, do you think that it can actually become relevant to workers or has it become so bureaucratic that it's, I mean, you can never say never, but it's almost past the stage of possible reforms?
1: You're right. You can never say never, but it is a vast bureaucratic institution. But within that vast bureaucracy we do see occasional pockets of genuine union activism and genuine concern for the rights and interests of workers. Often at a very local level, individual trade unions or individual trade union officials will really try to help workers, but they all have to answer to their superiors and the higher you get in the organization at the provincial level and at the national level, the more ossified and bureaucratic it gets. And everybody is just looking after their own interests. So, you know, it is a, a very difficult problem to try and solve. But unfortunately, the All-China Federation of Trade Unions is the only show in town. And so somehow that, that union has to change.
0: From an outsider's point of view, from a labour activist from the outside, it's very hard to see the dynamics happening in the labour movement in China. But there are periodic, episodic big strikes or big labour mobilisations in China. Now, how well Mm -hmm. do workers throughout China talk to each other or understand what's happening in other cities or, or regions?
1: With the growth of social media in China, just about... Everybody is, has got a smartphone. Everybody is connected to everyone else. So it is actually possible to organize nationwide mobilizations in different industries. So uh, particularly in the, the transport industry, you know, you see actions by uh, truck drivers, delivery drivers, food delivery workers. These people also in the construction industry, crane operators Building sites organized uh, nationwide protests last year. So it is possible to organize on a national scale, but workers are very concerned not to cause too much destruction. So a, a lot of these protests are more symbolic rather than aimed at actually causing a uh, major disruption to the local economy or the national economy. They just want to make a point and hope that the government notices the point they're making about their lives and working conditions, and something is done about it.
0: As a last question, obviously the China is integrating the global economy now, and we see more and more uh, work, workers around the world talking at an international and acting at an international level. So is labour activists from outside of China, what areas, what steps can we take to help and develop uh, independent trade unionism in China?
1: I think the key point is independent from who. If you want to get independent from the, the Communist Party, that's going to be very difficult because any attempts... To move in that direction are going to be resisted very strongly by the party. If you want to get a trade union that's independent from corporate management and that can actually uh, stand up to the boss within the workplace, then there's still opportunities to do that, uh, to organize within the workplace. I mean, one of this. Example is the, the JASIC dispute at the Shenzhen, uh, JASIC technology plant in Shenzhen last year where workers tried to organize a, a trade union at that plant. That shows that workers in China are cognizant of the fact that a strong trade union in the workplace is a fundamental part of improved labor relations. So... I think if labour activists from outside China can just share their experiences with local organising and show how effective that can be, I think there are important lessons uh, that workers in China can, can learn from that. Because workers in China are aware of what's going on in the outside world. It is possible for... Interaction to happen.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Jeff. That was great insight in uh, what's happening in the labour movement in China and uh, we certainly thank you and um, keep up your good work.
1: My pleasure. Good to hear from you. Great. 3TR Community Radio, 855 AM.
0: You just listened to an interview that I did a couple of weeks ago. So when we are referring to the factory explosion at the start of the interview, we are talking about a couple of weeks ago because the interview is about a week old. But uh, we did bring you um, news about the uh, massive factory explosion in northern um, uh, China. But anyway, that was uh, myself interviewing uh, uh, Jeff Crosell um, uh, from uh, China Labor Bulletin, He's the communication director. And um, that's really the end of another program of Asia-Pacific Currents for this week. Uh, my name is Pierre Morrow and I'm going to take a few weeks break. So you won't uh, hear from me for until um, next month. But uh, in the meantime, uh, you'll have the dulcet tones of Giselle who will be continuing Asia-Pacific Currents, bringing you um, labor news and human rights issues from the Asia-Pacific region for the next few weeks. So um, I look forward to coming back in May and sharing more stories. But in the meantime, keep listening to Asia Pacific Currents and to 3CR Radio. Um, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. So go to our website, oldw.s.aawl.org.au or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, uh, just um, the Google Australia Asia Worker Links. But that's all from me, um, Pierre Morrow. Uh, have a great weekend and um, stay tuned to um, 3CR Radio. Oh, and of course, uh, don't forget Wednesday, the big uh, march here in Melbourne, the uh, Change the Rules march, 10 o'clock outside Trades Hall, Wednesday, 10th of April. Let's all be there. But that's all from me. Time to go to the next program, which is Palestine Remembered. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.